Well, um, if you've got your Bibles, you can open with me to Mark chapter 1. I'm already there because I marked it with this piece of string thing that my Bible has. But that's all right. I will talk a bit more so that you can find it. Um, We're going to go through Mark chapter 1, and we're going to carry on from where Sam left off last week um, in verse 14 through to verse 20. I'll read that to you now. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Short passage. Lots going on, though. Um, It's interesting to just point out that the moment that Jesus goes forth to proclaim this message is the moment he hears that John is arrested. And if you look in Matthew's Gospel, the message that John proclaimed and the message that Jesus proclaimed, repent for the kingdom of God is near, is I think word for word the same in that Gospel. You see that um, John comes and he's baptizing with a baptism um, of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus continues to Um, proclaim repentance to talk about the kingdom of God but it's like once John is stopped then Jesus goes forth and carries on in a way it's like handing on the baton not that they could hand it on because John was in prison (laughs) but Jesus says yep okay I'm going to continue on what John is now unable to do that's that's the moment and check this out he proclaims the gospel of God Um, I, I wanted you to reflect on this for a little bit I was thinking about this imagine you're at you're in your workplace or at your school or wherever you go during the week that's a secular environment and you're sharing the gospel with someone there, right? I'm imagining if you were thinking about sharing the gospel to someone or you were in the act of doing that, you'd probably talk about, you would probably talk about um, Jesus' death, his resurrection, um, the need for a saviour, all these sorts of things. But if you think about it, it, Jesus says, it says here that Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of God but I don't think he was talking about his death and resurrection to these people because he hadn't yet died and he hadn't yet been raised again. But he was still proclaiming the gospel of God. Um, you notice after um, in the gospels when Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, it says from that time on he began to teach them that he would suffer under the chief priests and the Pharisees you know, and died. It's like at that point Jesus starts teaching about his death and resurrection. But he wasn't at this point in time, yet he is still proclaiming the gospel. I want you to imagine now, go back to your workplace and your um, school or wherever you're at, and you proclaim a gospel, but you don't talk to them about Jesus' death or resurrection. That's possible. If it's possible for Christ to do, <laughs> and he did it here, I'm sure he did, then it's possible for us. When we think about the gospel, um, the word in, in Greek is, um, is, is, in essence, about good news. And uh, there is so much good news in the death and resurrection, the ascension of Christ. 
but there's also good news outside of that. And uh, often uh, when we think about proclaiming the gospel, we can get, okay, I've got to tell them the gospel. <laughs> you know, we get constrained into this thing. But think about giving someone good news. This is good news. And, and what I'm realizing more and more as I receive the good news of God in my life is that I get more, my desire grows to share it with other people more and more as I see the reality and the fruit of that in my life. It's like to the extent that I've experienced the good news, the gospel of God in my life, that's the extent to which I want to share it almost. Do you see that? It's like it's not until it's been good news for me um, that I'm able to give it as good news to someone else. So reflecting on this then, Jesus was giving someone the gospel of God that was outside of his death and resurrection. I want to ask you this, have you received that gospel? Have you received good news from God that is not about Jesus' death and resurrection? If not, then there's something there right now for you to grow in. (laughs) And you can seek that from the Lord, you know, wrestle that through. Where does that come from? And I'm sure as you seek that, he will want to show that to you. But yeah, continue to grow. So it says he proclaimed the gospel of God, and then um, this is quoting Christ now. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And I just wanted to hone in a bit on uh, repentance and belief. And repentance is um, a changing of mind. So it's you're thinking about something in one way, and repentance is changing the way you're thinking about that. Therefore, you cannot believe um, in the gospel unless you have repented. So if you would like to receive more of the good news of God in your life, you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to change your mind in order to receive that because you've been thinking in one way already. Your mind is formed. You're you're kind of thinking on this track. But the gospel or the good news is this direction, right? You have to change your mind about how you're thinking this way and turn in order to embrace and believe that. See that action? It's, it's, It's a letting go of one way that you've already been thinking, letting go, kind of rejecting, removing it, and then turning to embrace in belief some good news. So there can be no belief in the gospel unless there is repentance. Repent and believe. It's like just repentance is like this side, belief is this side. See that? It's, it's a one action almost. Just bang, repent and believe. So I encourage you, like this, this one thing you can do right now, like go away from here. I'm not going to tell you, you know, about this. You need to be coming before the Lord yourselves and growing in your relationship with God, wrestling with Him. This is how I've been growing. I come to the Lord myself and I say, Lord, you know, open my eyes to these things. I'm pointing this out to you and if you'd like it, it's there for you. You can say, Lord, I'd like to receive that gospel that Jesus was proclaiming, that good news. Help me to see. Help me to repent. Turn like that. All right. So then we um, continue on. Um, verse 16, uh, Jesus passes along the Sea of Galilee. He sees Simon and Andrew uh, and they're fishing and uh, Jesus says to them, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. Immediately, they leave their nets. Going on a little further, further, um, he sees uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Um, They're in their boat, mending these nets. Jesus immediately calls to them and they leave their father Zebedee. And uh, I'm, I'm fascinated more and more 
with, I don't know how I even did that, that was amazing. <laughs> you can each, no you can't, I was going to say you can each come and have a go afterwards to see if you can do that, but you won't be able to probably, for a few reasons, <laughs> one this will be off. Um, let me get back to my previous train of thought, which was, um, I'm increasingly fascinated with um, why on earth did like Peter, James, John and Andrew just drop their nets and go and follow Christ? Like, it is amazing. I, I want you to think about that, that you're in your workplace, right? These guys are in their workplace and, and this guy turns up and says, come follow me. And you're just like, all right. Just walk straight out after him, you know? You don't even get a chance to call your wife, you know? You, you're meant to be picking your kids up after school. You've got all these things organised. You just go bang out and follow him. That is crazy, isn't it? That is crazy. But these guys did it, and I believe they did it. Just a few words, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. You're like, all right, yeah, I'll do that. And, and I've been thinking, you know, the Lord has got to have been working in the lives of these men prior to this point in time. It's not like it's like, oh, yeah, he seemed like a nice guy, didn't he, Andrew? Yeah, let's give that a go. No, there's got to be something deeper happening here. And you can see, um, as you, you read and, and go through other, um, other Gospels, you see a fuller picture of what's happening in the lives of these men. So I'll flick quickly to John chapter 1, and I'll just show you something about um, specifically Peter and um, Andrew. Um, so this is uh, John 1, verse 40. And um, basically, these two disciples of John the Baptist have now begun to follow Jesus and inquire about him. In verse 40, um, it says, One of the two who heard John the Baptist speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And what I just, what stood out to me from that was that these guys, they were seeking the Christ. They were seeking the Messiah. They believed he was going to come. And then, you know, Andrew just comes up to, to Peter and he's like, we've found him. He's here. The Messiah is among us. And you can see that there was this hunger already. I can imagine, you know, Peter and Andrew sitting down and wrestling and thinking, you know, we not, might not know a whole lot of Scripture like the Pharisees do and stuff, but man, we want to see the Messiah. That is really our desire. And, you know, thinking about, oh, what do you reckon? Do you reckon this guy could be this one? Nah, he wouldn't do that. Or, yeah, he'd be like this. And you can see how they would have had this conversation. And then finally, I found him. Gold. <laughs> Eureka. <laughs> Bingo. You know, <laughs> we've found the Messiah. This is the one. So you can see that their hearts were already set to seek, to be seeking out the Messiah. And um, another passage that has stood out that I believe uh, gives insight into this. This is coming from um, Jesus' lips, um, but it gives insight, and it's actually John who records this. This is um, John 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be taught all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. I believe that. And I believe that these men were with the Father, they were seeking Him, seeking God, and no one comes to Jesus unless the Father draws Him, unless that work is done. 
And, and I believe that that is what was happening. That, that's part of the reason why these, these guys were just like, yeah, we're going to drop our nets and we'll go, Simon and Andrew. I, I was thinking about this as well, and it's an, an interesting thought, that it's funny how Jesus found four men who had this posture so close together, like two were fishing over there and two were fishing over there. He just walked along the same beach and just found two, four guys. I think people like this are hard to find. I think people like this are hard to find. It's hard to find people who are seeking God in the way that I believe these men would have been. Why on earth do you find four all at once? Bang. And I think that there are a few things happening. One is, you can see that they're family. So you've got James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and Peter and Andrew, who um, we know from the scripture, their father's name was John. And you can see that they're family. And what I've been reflecting is that I reckon Zebedee raised his sons to seek and desire after the Messiah because Zebedee himself desired the Messiah. It was interesting. A few weeks back, I was just chatting in this very room um, with a, a dad here, and I was saying to this guy, I've been chatting with two of your sons, and I see you in your sons. And you know what I was talking about? It wasn't how he, they looked or their kind of character or personality. It was a spiritual thing that I saw in, their son, in his sons that I believed he had passed on from them, probably intentionally but largely without even knowing, that had come out and I could see expressed in these two sons. And it was a desire, uh, it was a, a lot to do with the knowledge of the Scripture and um, a hunger for that. And I look here and I see two sons, James and John, and another two sons, Simon or Peter and Andrew. And it's like there's this family line of people who are seeking God and hungering after Him. And, and these people are, are in that place. I can, I can imagine them having that conversation together in their family and growing up in that way. And they attract each other. You know when you're like that and you're seeking after something and you find someone else who's like-minded, you're like, oh, I'm going to hang out with them a bit more. And you, you start to hang out and you talk more and you enjoy it, don't you? It's just so natural to do. It's this kind of magnetism that happens. And so for me, I'm, I'm, in some ways, I'm not surprised that Jesus found two men, bang, and then another two men, bang, that were like this. We know also um, from other accounts in the Gospels that... Um, these, all these four men were actually partners in their business together in fishing. And so you can see this sort of, um, yeah, this generational thing that is happening and this relational thing that is attracting this sort of like-mindedness of seeking God. Um, and I think with all of this together, I was reflecting on it, and I was like, it's still, it's hard. You know, with all of that considered, it's hard for someone to still drop their nets and go and follow Christ like that. But I was thinking about it and wrestling with it, and I came to this sort of conclusion that as these men were seeking after God and they were working with God and wrestling with Him, I believe they came to this place where they resolved in their heart that they wanted nothing more than to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Discipleship was very common in those days. John the Baptist had disciples, Pharisees had disciples, it was very common. And I'm sure, you know, word about Jesus spread quickly, as we know in the Gospels. These men would have heard about Jesus and would have think, I reckon this is going to be the Messiah. And, you know, like, 
I think these guys would have just thought, I, there is nothing more than I want that, that I want than to be that man's disciple. If he comes, I'm only going to get one shot. If, if he ever comes and asks me, I'm going to drop those nets. Can you have that sense? You feel that? Immediately. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Bang. But it's interesting. Um, just thinking where to go here. There's a few points. Um, one of the things as well is that Jesus said, well, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. It's like they dropped these nets, but spiritually, physical nets, and spiritually, they began to pick up other nets, nets that are far greater to do far greater work. Of course, we have need for practical nets, but spiritual nets have um, use for this life and the life to come. (laughs) Those other nets, they're going to fade away. They begin to pick up spiritual nets to become fishers of men. I've noticed um, how much the Bible is using the word immediately in these passages. Um, and it's used twice. Immediately they left their nets, referring to um, Peter and Andrew, and immediately he called to them, referring to Christ. And the immediately is like, it's just this reaction that comes from a place of, of resolution, you know. If, if um, Peter and Andrew resolve, yes, I'm just... If Jesus asks me, I'm just going to go. That's the resolution of their hearts. Then Jesus must have resolved, if I find men like this, I'm going to ask them. It says in verse 20, uh, referring to James and John, and immediately he called them. Immediately Jesus said, hey, come follow me. It's like there was this sort of double reaction going on. And that, that these men were seeking so much after God and God is actually seeking so much after men like that. And what I was realizing through this, these two words immediately kind of hit this point for me. Immediately the reaction of the men and re- immediately the reaction of God. And it's like those who seek God, God seeks out. Those who seek God, God seeks out. And it's hard to find men like this. There are many um, people who came to know Jesus. I'm just going to make this point about it's hard to find people like this. Um, Pharisees and teachers of the law who would come and ask him questions. And I want you to remember when Jesus was a young boy, 12 years old, he was in the temple and they were so impressed at his questions and, and all these words and they marveled at him. But yet those same kinds of people... Pharisees, teachers of the law, when he was older and they came and Jesus came and talked, they weren't marveling at him. What were they feeling? Threatened. They felt envy, jealousy. These are the motives that came out and gave expression to the crucifixion, their desire to crucify Christ. But you're not intimidated by a 12-year-old, but a guy who's 30, he's coming and uh, preaching up a storm and uh, is drawing a crowd and a great following. Man, that's threatening. But you see, James, John, Peter and Andrew, they didn't have this sort of thing to hold on to and to be intact of, of, you know, like a Pharisee did of, oh, you know, I'm a teacher of the law, you know, and I have to be able to teach people well. You know, Peter, James and John, they were like, oh, I'm a fisherman. And, you know, I barely 
have probably a, a scripture in front of me. You know, I hear it read on the Sabbath in the synagogue, and that's maybe the extent of my knowledge of the scripture, just what I've received, you know. So they don't have this sort of pride and things to, you know, have to let go of. So they, they had a humility there that was hard to find. And you can have it if you're in a place like those men of leadership, but it's harder. There's a lot more work to go through, <laughs> in a way. But if you're a fisherman, you know, it's like, ah, oh, there's not much there that's preventing or, or that you're feeling you have to hold on to. But when you have authority or, or um, something like that, you can feel threatened very easily. These men were hard to find. I want to tell you that there seems to me, as I read the Scripture, a difference between being a believer and being a disciple of Christ. You can be a believer and a disciple, but not every believer is a disciple. I'll read to you just a few passage, passages just to illustrate this. John chapter 8, verse 30 to 31. He's talking at this point to... Um, a crowd, I believe Jews, and he says in verse 30, uh, it says in verse 30, as Jesus was saying these things, many believed in him. So, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in me, in my word, you are truly my disciples. Jesus said to those who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, condition, you are truly my disciples. That means it's possible to believe and not to be a disciple. Let me illustrate it from another passage, John 12. Um, and this is verse 42. Um, and nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, we're talking about those people who are in privilege and have responsibility, leadership, and that sort of thing. Even of the authorities, many believed in him, but... For fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And you contrast that with um, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, where Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, virtually discipleship and following Jesus, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. These men, it said that they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You can see that conflict there with discipleship and that actually they still believed in Jesus. I want to say to you today, as back then, Jesus walked along the Sea of Galilee and he was seeking out men who would be his disciples, not men who would merely believe in him, not people who would merely believe. And I want, you to, I want to say to you today, and I firmly believe this, that Jesus is still seeking disciples in this day, in this age, in this time, in this place. But disciples are hard to find. But they often gather together. <laughs> can be hard to find someone who is willing to be a disciple of Jesus. I'll read again just briefly from Luke chapter 9, 
um, what Jesus says there on discipleship. He said to me, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Have you believed in God and in Jesus and in what He's done and in um, the key aspects of the gospel and not taken a step towards discipleship? Even taking a step is not enough. (laughs) Hungered, hungered after it, as Peter, James and John and Andrew were doing. They immediately dropped their nets as they heard the voice of the Lord. I so believe that Jesus is calling out among us and in the midst of us. He says um, in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That letter was written to churches. (laughs) I stand at the door and knock. I believe He does that and I hear it in my own heart and life. He's knocking on the door of my heart, seeking deeper places. Have you heard His voice? Come, follow me. And I'll make you fishes of men. Are you too busy holding your nets? Whatever your net might be, there can be many things. Focus on getting the fish in the net or cleaning the nets, as James and John were. But there is a still small voice that calls out. And if you desire it, if you seek it, You will hear it, I believe. That's my experience. That's what I see in the Scripture. Those who seek God, God Himself seeks out. Yeah. See the condition of your heart, where it is at, and continue to move in seeking out the Lord. That's what I'm doing down at Hurstbridge when I'm there. That's what I'm doing right here now. That's what I did yesterday when I was at home. That's what I'll do tomorrow when I'm at home doesn't mean, you know, that um, at times my tongue is not given over to the Holy Spirit, always over to the Holy Spirit. But it means that I seek that and I want to grow in that and that I see that coming. It's not just a, a desire that is being unfulfilled. I'm seeing these things happen more and more in my life where I say, wow, Lord, you are making me a fisher of men. I'm desiring to share the the gospel, this good news that I've received and I've seen it change my life and doing things in here that most people probably can't see, but I want that to happen in the lives of others. That's why I'm up here today, you know. (laughs) If I hadn't had these things happening, I wouldn't want to be up here preaching to you. I wouldn't want to be over in Hurstbridge. But man, I am so convinced that God is at work and I'm seeing it. I experience that reality in my life. I see it in the Scripture. And as I put my faith in the Scripture, as I see that, I see that the Word of God is living and active. It's coming alive and it's doing things. I desire that for you, but I believe the Lord desires it so much more. But He, he doesn't want to force it upon anyone. When I've been uh, coming before the Lord, you know, in this sort of secret place, I, I recognize there's so many things that I can listen to, so many voices I can hear. But what God desires is for me to not even listen to my own voice, but just to His. And it takes me time to remove the other voices, to stop listening to them, 
and then to just quiet myself and say, Lord, what is it that you're designed to say or to speak? And I tell you what, there are many people who speak to me and say things um, about um, all manner of things in my life. I'm sure you have the same. But when I listen and I'm able to hear the voice, what I believe is the voice of the Lord in my life, He tells me things that no one else tells me. Because He sees things that no one else sees. Not even my wife sees it, not even I see it. And I believe that He is wanting to call you, and I believe He is. He's wanting you to follow Him. But are you wanting? Are you wanting that for yourself? Are you desiring it? Are you seeking God? Because I believe as you give expression to that, you will see this same reality. Immediately as they dropped nets, it's immediately that Jesus is calling as well. There's this two, <laughs> you know, I can use that same picture, you know, of, of a hand turning. You know, one side is the gospel, um, belief, one side is repentance. It's the same action. It's almost the same action with God and man. It's like as we are seeking God, God seeks us. It's the same action. I believe you'll see that if you seek it, if you desire it. As you read through the Gospels, you see it in John a lot. It's easy to find people who believe in Jesus. Very easy. In fact, there are many points. And Jesus would often say hard things to those who believed in him. But it's difficult to find people who are willing to be disciples. And not only willing to be disciples, but actually seeking to be disciples. I desire that. And I hope that you desire that even more as a result of how I hope the Holy Spirit has been able to speak today. Let me pray. Lord God, it is so clear from the Scripture that you speak things that no one else is willing to speak or wanting to speak. In the Old Covenant, there were so many false prophets in the Old Testament that went around and proclaimed great things and beautiful things. But there were not many prophets who proclaimed what was upright, who proclaimed your words, Lord. And you speak things, Father, I believe that no one else is really speaking. I believe, Lord, that you already are speaking. And perhaps among your people, Lord, your Holy Spirit is bringing things already to mind that you have been already speaking, that have been perhaps neglected, that have not been acted on or put into practice that maybe life is crowded out because of busyness or intensity or pace of life. Um, and Lord, I myself, you know in my heart, I have so many questions about how to live this Christian life, about how to be a disciple, how to grow in my faith. But I know, Lord, and I'm convinced and I experience it, that as I, as I seek you out, you orientate my heart like a compass, just finding the right path and that path is Jesus Christ. He said himself, I'm the way, I'm the path. Lord, as I look to Jesus and I, and I ask to have my eyes open to see how he walked, I see my steps mimicking him, walking more and more as Jesus walked. You see that in my life, Father. And I, I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of each one here. And I... Uh, I ask by your Holy Spirit that they would work together with you, that there would be a, 
a change of heart actually here today, a repentance among your people, that there might be belief in good news and I believe that there is good news today, perhaps not a gospel about the death and resurrection of Christ, but I pray for repentance and belief, Lord, and that there will be hearts that are orientated more and more to seek you unto your glory, Father. Amen.